Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. Alright. What are we going to talk about today, Naomi? Today we have decided to explore some non-operatic repertoire. And so the theme what? of the episode, I know, heresy. Say what? <laughs> the theme of our episode today is talking about our favorite pieces of music that are not opera. I thought maybe, were we did we decide that it's not opera or not vocal music? I can't remember exactly what we, discuss, what we decided. I don't remember. Let's say not vocal. That's good. Not that's, vocal. That's what I prepared yeah. based off of. Okay. So. Okay. Well, that eliminates one of my categories on my it's list. So, Naomi has categories. She's printed this out. <laughs> it's so rare that I ha- have to prepare anything for a podcast It's episode. true. It's true. But you did prepare for this one? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's, well, this is an interesting, well, or maybe a not so interesting topic for me because I'm not a huge purveyor of uh, non-vocal music. I mean, I, I certainly oh. I certainly enjoy it, but it's not like I have so many different uh, pieces that I just, that stick out in my mind. As, right. Oh my well, gosh, I love this and I love that. No, don't tell me to go first. I'll go last because of that. <laughs> Because I my my answer is is atypical, so we'll just save oh, it for well. the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, who would like to go first then? Well, you see, my problem is that I have like a favorite of each genre of classical music. Like I have favorite piano music, and ah. I have favorite orchestral music, and well, I have right. But I mean, you gotta just pick so. something. Oh, it's so hard. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can. It will get me rolling and like thinking Mm -hmm, in a certain mm -hmm. direction. All right. I narrowed it down to two. Nice. Um, The first one might be slightly controversial for people who um, are fans of orchestral music just because everyone says that it's super cheesy and nobody seems to like it. But Dvorak, New World Symphony is my fucking jam. I love everything about it. I know what it's about. I know it's like the whole coming to America, exploring new lands, Native Americans, all that. But to me, always and forever, Dvorak is pirate music, and it just sounds like pirate music to me. And I love it. I have a whole backstory to it. Captain on a ship, you can hear the high seas. I don't even care if that's not what it's supposed to be about. (laughs) It's pirate music. I love it. It is beautiful music, yeah. I love how the themes (laughs) crash together at the end. Yeah, I would say let's listen to the whole thing, but we can't. Um, (laughs) We can listen to a little bit now. I'm going to recommend if anybody wants to further educate themselves and listen to the whole thing, to listen to the recording of um, the New York Phil doing it with Leonard Bernstein conducting. Mm. Because every conductor I've ever spoken to about it says that the tempos are the weirdest that they've ever heard, but Mm. it, like, really works for me. It, like, ticks my boxes. One of the... Things that I remember so clearly about the first time I ever heard the New World Symphony mm-hmm. is the part that is essentially Turkey in the Straw. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember thinking, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> Why don't you guys just sing like the whole so thing? Epic. You could sing the, the excerpt. Oh, no, I think it would probably be better if we listened to an orchestra doing it. What we just sang is probably my favorite moment, although that's really hard. Oh, the second so. movement, though, is so beautiful. I know. 
Why don't we In pull... grad school, we used to come up with lyrics to the different melodies of that. I'm not going to sing them for you now, but... um. Why don't we pull <laughs> there are, a couple? There are words. We should pull, like, the turkey and the straw, like you just said, just because so people can hear the actual thing, and we'll probably recognize it. And then... All right. Yeah. And then after that, we will listen to a little bit of the second movement. I think we should listen to a really short snippet from each movement, even if they're, like, 30 seconds, because... We could easily pull out a favorite from each movement. Sure. Like, so let's start with the uh, movement one, movement best one. moment. All right, so first off, let's listen to a little bit of the opening of this because it's very dramatic and epic. And I think I've actually never heard it live. One day <sighs> I will, but I feel like it's one of those moments where it's just like blowing your hair back. There's so much strings, there's so many brass, <laughs> so much brass. It's just oh, like, oh, oh, oh. You know, it's Dvorak, so I feel like it's, you know. It's like extra. <laughs> it is. The orchestration like, always. is so thick and yeah. glorious. Yeah. So. Okay, so. here we go. The opening. Thick and glorious. Thick and glorious. All right, and now I just want everybody to take a second and listen to a little bit of the second movement, which is very different and beautiful and peaceful and just glorious, and listen to that now.
this is the movement that everyone knows, even if they don't know they know. It's so good. Here's my favorite moment from the third movement. Um, so there are two themes that run basically throughout the entire uh, piece, all of the four movements. And in the last movement, in the last, I would say, like, minute and a half, they sort of come crashing into each other, and they create mm. this amazing dissonance, and they only resolve until, like, the very, very end of the piece, and everybody's in unison, and it's a crazy, amazing thing. I can't even describe to you how dramatic this is like the strings just sort of like go rushing up higher and higher into this crazy crescendo and then it's just like brass 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 it's so pretty american uh if not german (laughs) well yeah i mean a lot of the uh the the themes in the piece that I mean it'll take we could talk about this for a really long time to go through and pick everything out but a lot of them are based on spirituals that mm-hmm. Dvorak heard. Mm-hmm. Um, Dvorak essentially like traveled around the United States. Yeah, around was it 1892? He came to this it, country to teach. Right, and he was also and then at that point he was commissioned. So he was the director of the National Conservatory of Music from 1892 to 1895 Mm -hmm. and during that time he was commissioned to write this symphony that was supposed to like embody through music the sound of the united states right and so as his research and kind of inspirational creative process for this he like traveled around the u.s and was listening to all different kinds of music and he became really really fascinated and enamored with african-american spirituals Mm -hmm. And so people talk about how if you listen in the first movement, apparently you can hear like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot yeah. integrated into some of the themes. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned like Turkey in the Straw, which is not, I don't think that's a spiritual, but it is like, like a folk, folk song. A folk thing. song. Yeah. Yeah. So he took a lot of what he considered to be indigenous music of mm-hmm. the United States and incorporated it into this piece. So if you ever take the time to go and listen to it, it's not too long. Um, no. Maybe you can pick out some of these things, but let's hear the final like minute and a half of of this piece.
Lovely. Just lovely. It's it's so like it's just epic and dramatic and I I love it. And maybe it is kind of corny and I frankly don't care. It is I think maybe the one symphony that I could probably sing the entire thing to and Naomi can attest to it because she's been in my house. Um <laughs> if I get drunk, it is usually the first thing that I want to play and then I will just stand there and like sing along. <laughs> Guys, 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 to, guys. To the guys. whole thing. Guys, 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 guys. Listen to me do uh, New, New World, World New Symphony. World. New World. Listen, listen. New World. Guys, guys. Listen, Linda. Guys, just listen, listen. to Shh. Deborah. <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Naomi. I, I love it. Yeah. Naomi, which of your categories are we going to start with? <laughs> you got to pick one. If we have time, we'll circle oh, back. Oh, wait. No. I oh, I forgot. A, no, Elspeth, you said you had a second one. What's your second? Yeah, you no, no, no. We can just do one one. Just, just drop it. Just tell us. I'm dying uh, to know. Sibel- it says Sibelius Violin Concerto because it's like the most Nordic thing that you've ever heard in your entire life. Um, and it's so, so beautiful. And the first like opening two minutes, I think, is some of the just like the most glorious thing I've ever heard. Nice. It's so evocative and, and gorgeous. And I won't say anything else about it other than go and check it out. And let's just play. We'll play the opening for you right mm-hmm. now because it's just so beautiful. So Naomi, why don't you pick okay. one and then a spare? Okay, I'm gonna continue in the orchestral vein okay. because I love symphonic music. Fair. Um, and out of all my categories, that was the hardest one to, you know, nail down mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, so I have to admit that I'm gonna go back to my forever and always favorite composer, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Mm, but- Wolfgang. Yes, and so for me, Symphony Number One, which or Number One, Symphony Number Forty One, which is the <laughs> Jupiter Symphony, is so amazing. It is awesome. He wrote it towards the end of his life, mm-hmm. but it is like just the most incredible thing. And so part of the reason why I love this symphony is because if you hear it in the right circumstances live, then you really understand. Excuse us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're just getting some some snacks and drinks, Elspeth. <laughs> no, I'm tearing up this bag because there's a ring. I don't want to leave a ring on this table with this wine. I'm sorry. I was like, we have headphones on. Nobody can hear this. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, it's okay. I seen everything to be clean. That's okay. very we nice have of a mess you. Over here. Go on. Go on. Sorry. You okay. were saying the context so, so- in which you hear the piece. 
content. Right. So if you hear this on a recording, it's Mozart, so it's obviously amazing. <laughs> right. But if you hear this live, you really understand what people mean when they talk about a conversational aspect to the orchestra and how Mozart basically wrote instruments that were communicating with each other and like are their own characters and voices in some kind of story. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard this live for the first time, I was also in Esterhazy Palace, which is where Haydn you know, worked you were. and everything. And I walked into a rehearsal that was happening in the Orangerie. Mm-hmm. Orangerie. <laughs> sounds so fancy. But really, it's funny because it sounds really fancy, but Esterhazy Palace is not as as like grand and epic as you think it is because when you learn about it in history class, you're taught that it was like the Versailles of Hungary. Uh-huh. Um, but then when you go there, it's not kept <laughs> I up. I was. <laughs> it's not kept up in the same way that Versailles is. Okay. And so, it and it is like just physically a smaller structure and everything, but it is beautiful in its own way. It's just, you know, not as big of a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you have to take like a train way out into the country to Eisenstadt mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to get there. But So you were in the Orangerie. Right. And so then... <laughs> like, one, like one does. Yes. Like one does. And Whilst was, I was in the Orangerie. <laughs> orangerie. I stumbled upon an orchestral rehearsal. I the did. And then I just sat there and listened to them, and they were rehearsing the final movement of oh. Jupiter. And this is one of the hardest pieces for the double bass in like the entire orchestral repertoire. And I walked into the part where they're just like their fingers are flying over the double bass. I've never heard anyone play the double bass mm-hmm. or seen anyone play one quite like that. And so when you get to see that and then you also can hear the different textures that Mozart creates in these voices like talking to each other in the orchestra. It's really amazing. So nice. I We'll play some of my favorite bits for you. Yes. So I think first we should start at the end with the crazy epic uh, double bass movement and strings generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we listen to this, really pay attention to the bottom end because you'll never hear a double bass played quite like this anywhere else. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, and then we'll play another part of it. I'll play you part of the opening because it's really great. And it's something that, you know, you'll probably hear it and then you'll recognize it as being Mozart. Mm -hmm. So here we have the opening of Symphony Number 41, Movement 1. So what is the Jupiter Symphony about? Uh, uh, Jupiter? No idea. The, the planet? No. It is not about <laughs> the planet. I'm just curious. To be honest, that's actually... Why it's called the Jupiter Symphony. I was thinking that that's what it would be. Maybe because I'm thinking of the uh, the planets. Oh, the... And it was, it was actually not coined by Mozart. Oh, Mozart well. didn't call it the, call it the Jupiter Symphony. That was a nickname given to it by somebody else. Uh-huh. Do you know why? Yes. Okay. And so, Johann Peter Solomon was the person who coined this. That guy. That guy from 1781. Actually, no. Wait. It is. Well, it's not the planet. Well, the planet is named after the Roman god. Right. So it's named after the Roman. It's god It's named Jupiter. after the Roman god. Who which, is the god of war? Uh, yeah, I think Jupiter is the god of war, isn't he? No, Mars is the god of war. Mars is the oh, god of war. Shoot. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's the planet that the ancient Greeks called Phaeton, which is the same planet that the Romans called Jupiter. Phaeton. Um, apparently, the finale movement uh-huh. of the symphony. There were scholars that claimed that Mozart was reworking a theme or integrated a theme from another symphony by somebody else, uh, Carl Ditters, who I'm assuming was like popular at that time, but no one's heard of him today. <laughs> right. And Ditters, yes. Ditters, Ditters <laughs> symphony <laughs> was called The Fall of Phaeton. Mm. Oh. And so they... So it was perfectly acceptable at that time because I know composers stole from themselves and like recycled things all the time, especially in opera. Right. But it was was it acceptable at that time for other composers to just sort of 
steal from other composers. Well, it's interesting well, because did, there's this so. whole there's this whole trend <laughs> I mean, of like it, yeah. quotation, right? And so right. I remember one music history professor telling me that of course you could do that as long as you made it better. <laughs> yeah, I wonder yeah. like what the breakdown is of these copyright. Like, where is the line? When does it get crossed? Kind well, of thing. Uh, in terms of, like the history of copyright law, I don't think. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't exist, exist, it didn't then, exist back then. Right? But it's interesting that it was very common for composers to quote each other mm -hmm. with the understanding that the audience would know that you were quoting this other person right. and would find it humorous, right? Or clever oh. or witty or an homage to that person. Right, right. Okay. And so that's why you have things like Beethoven wrote the Diabelli, the Diabelli variations, mm -hmm. right? And so he's like taking a theme by somebody else and writing a theme and variation on it. And then Haydn did this, or sorry, Mozart did this with works of Haydn because mm -hmm. he idolized Haydn, like that sort of thing. So apparently okay. he did this in the last movement of Jupiter and then through like this strange kind of flow of translation of names, it got the nickname of Jupiter. Jupiter. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, hopefully. So technically it is the planet. Technically it is the planet. Hey. In the round uh, hopefully way. we get a hey. chance to hear it live. Same as with the New World Symphony. Uh, I mean, yes. they're pretty popular pieces. Yeah. I think mm. it's, I, hopefully I will get to do that. The New York Field did it, I think, last year, and I just didn't go. Lame. I think part of the problem with know, some of these really lame. popular ones is that because they're so popular, it can be difficult to get a ticket. That's true. Because, like, any Be yeah. Beethoven Symphony 5 or 9 is near impossible to get a ticket to. I feel like New World would be very difficult. Brahms is difficult to yeah. get tickets to well so. we'll just uh anyway. we'll have to produce it come on people yeah all right did you have um your second pick where we're not going to really talk about it we're just going to listen to it i i do have a second pick do it you seem hesitant well i'm gonna go with the whole theme that i know somebody is going to tell me that this is absolutely cheesy or kitschy <laughs> as a choice that person's dumb why are you guys afraid of that <laughs> it's gonna be you me you guys need to embrace the kitsch <laughs> I feel like I, I like cheesy, kitschy things, and I embrace that. I feel like you should embrace your love of cheesy. Right. Mm. And I might even pronounce the name wrong, but I have known it as Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring. Mm. That is how you pronounce yeah. it. There are some people who might say that you pronounce it Appalachian Spring. No. No. I feel like that's well, a regional you. thing. Me up. I grew up at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Appalachia, and... You were pronouncing it correctly. Yes. Good job. Although Thank you. there wasn't any kind of twang or, or draw, Elspeth. I mean, I'm never going to do that for any of you on this podcast. So anyone listening, just accept it. <laughs> the, Car the Carolina accent is not what? coming out. It's like you can't even <laughs> say the word Carolina without Carolina <laughs> accent. <laughs> oh, that is great. Shut up, Kyle. I, th I right, thought of Appalachian Spring. Oh, go ahead. No. <laughs> I thought of Elspeth the whole time I was driving through the Carolinas. Yeah, you saw the, the peach. I did. Right? I saw the, and the peach from House of Cards. Gaffney. Yes, and yeah. Gaffney. Mm. Didn't you say you went to Do school think... right by there? I did. I did went to school. I did went to school. <laughs> I oh did went to school. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to school around there. Gaffney only has that peach but water tower and outlet malls so, yeah i'm sure you saw both of them because they're off the highway i did see both of those things yeah nice yeah. okay well i interrupt we digress 
Okay, Erin Copeland's Appalachian Spring. Appalachian Spring. Is the most amazing orchestral work, in my opinion, okay. ever written. It is constructed in a way, or compositionally, you can call it like block construction. And so think of it literally like a set of wooden blocks where like each wooden block is a different feeling or a different thing and then he just like stacks them together in different ways and then transitions from one to the other pretty abruptly Mm -hmm. and so when you're listening to it sometimes people have a hard time because they're like whoa what's wait what's happening right why are we going back and forth through all these different things but then once you've listened to it a couple times you'll realize how the different blocks are connected subtly to each other and then how and how they work in the way that he's put them together and then also, he introduces towards the end of the whole thing uh, this Quaker melody, which you would probably recognize as simple gifts, like tis the mm-hmm. gift to be simple. And so what he does with that, it's kind of like the end of the New World Symphony, the feeling you get, because like the orchestra opens up and blossoms and yeah. there's like brass and strings mm-hmm. and the rhythm is drawn out. And it's so gorgeous. And a little fun fact for pub quiz. Um, this particular symphony, Aaron Copeland wrote it actually as a ballet for Martha Graham mm-hmm. to do, who's a really, really famous ballet dancer, modern dancer. And for a long time, he didn't actually have a name for it other than ballet for Martha. <laughs> and then literally the day before it premiered, he came across a poem. And I don't know, I can't remember if she gave the poem to him or if he just stumbled across it, but it mentioned uh, Appalachia. Mm -hmm. And so he was inspired by the poem and he thought, oh, that would be a good name for the symphony. And so the day before he gave it the name Appalachian Spring. But throughout the rest of his career, since this was so popular, people would come up to him and say, like, we just feel like you captured the feeling of Appalachia Mm -hmm. so beautifully, and it must have been so inspiring, and all this kind of thing. And he was like, well, actually, (laughs) I wrote the whole piece without once thinking about Appalachia, (laughs) and then just, like, gave it that name at the very end of the creative process. He should have lied. Yeah. Why don't we listen to that tail end with the simple gifts and the orchestra sort of like surging and things. Yes, here is the the end of Appalachian Spring. You're welcome, everybody.
Lovely. All right, Kyle, it's that time. It is that time. Prepare to be disappointed. It's... Oh, no. What? No, actually. All right, hold on. No, no, no. Can I? Can we guess? Um. <laughs> well, first of all, just hold on. Okay. okay. Because you might guess. Right. But I actually didn't know okay. that. I thought we were specifically doing like orchestral symphonic works. Well, that is how it sort of played out. So. Yeah. And um, so, well, that's that anyways. But I think if, well, I still I still like my, my answer, my piece that I have selected. Although I do, from an okay. instrumental standpoint, I do love like any piano music by Debussy. Mm-hmm. It speaks to me in like the most, um, well, like lame kind of kitschy way because I feel like everybody listens to it and really likes it. I don't know. You I don't see, know if that's true. I feel like you need to have a certain temperament to like get into WC, right? Because he does mind. play with like some pretty strange harmonies for his time, mm-hmm. right? I guess so. So some people find it a little bit like too strange. Because he's mixing like modal music and like jazz influenced music mm-hmm. and romantic style. I'm stuff. still thinking though. Don't be ashamed of your choices, like, Kyle. Like something like Claire de Lune. Well, super, well. super beautiful, super basic, but super beautiful. And actually, just because I can, no, we'll save that. I was gonna say let's <laughs> listen to a clip, but we'll save that for a no, different... no. Let's do it. Let's Claire de Lune, people. <laughs> you guys hate me, but the audience loves me because everybody loves. Claire de Lune. people you've been Claire de Lune you've been Claire de Lune nice all right so what is this orchestral piece that you're thinking okay of? and should we should we guess yes but hold on just a second I, I love making okay. a much bigger build-up so then everybody's disappointed <laughs> you know that's my style fair but anyways fair. like I said I really enjoy orchestral instrumental music I do it just okay. I often will listen to it enjoy it but it doesn't like really stick with me like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I've actually realized this this summer as like I'm listening to a ton of orchestral pieces Yep. Um, mm-hmm. at the festival, which I really enjoy, but they don't stick with me. But anyways, in orchestral work, 
that I love and forever love and will always love? Go ahead and guess. Oh, well, I mean, you have to give us some, a clue. Wait, is it Beethoven Symphony 5? Nope. Is it Beethoven? Nope. Okay. You guys um, are going to be so disappointed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can do this. Think like Kyle Homewood. Think. Is it the planets? Nope. Okay. That's a really good one, though. Um, is the composer German? Um, good question. I don't think so. The composer is living. Okay. Is this like the theme to Star Wars or something? John Williams. Nope. You're very close. Hans Zimmer. S- Star Trek? Nope. Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, it is, ah. It's a film score. Tim, Tim Burton. No. What? Tim Burton's I, not a composer. I, he does Danny Elfman. Oh, not da- Danny Elfman. Danny nope, Elfman. No, nope, not him. I. It's not not John Williams. Elspeth, think of who. Who's the other one? I, I can't. Am. I can't remember who the other one is. Can you think of the movie? <laughs> I can't remember the other one. Um. Star Wars. Oh, this has gone on way too long. No, 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 no. Lord of the Rings. Lord yes. <laughs> who composed the music to Lord Howard of the Rings? Howard Shore. Howard Shore. That is who I was the thinking of. I'm sorry. The entire soundtrack to Lord of the Rings is so amazing. How amazing <laughs> is it? I knew I had to, I, I researched it because I knew that I would catch so much flack for this. No, I, I mean, no, I mean, for my fiance's birthday one year, it took him to see um, the Fellowship of the Ring where they played the film score in the background with titles with like a live orchestra and it was really fun. Right. I had the same really experience and it is amazing and there's a lot going on. Uh, Do you have a specific theme that you would like us to play right now? A Frodo theme? Is there a Frodo theme? Probably, no, right? but it's... I, I, the only thing I Sam's really know theme? from there is like going into the Shire. It's, it's, Sam and Frodo, a love that dare not speak its well, name. Well, if you guys would theme? let me answer, I could answer your Sorry. question. Sorry. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's funny yeah. that you say Sam Got and Frodo you. and the Shire because that one of my favorite themes is a <laughs> Shire music theme that is called Concerning Hobbits. Oh. I knew this. No, I knew this, and I forgot because I remember you're gonna hate me. No, no, you can say it. Having a conversation with you where you were asking me if you if I thought it was crazy for you to integrate concerning hobbits into your wedding. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen uh, to which it. Which I nearly would you did. Walked down the aisle. But my wife vetoed. Olivia shut that down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you gonna walk down the aisle to concerning hobbits? I was going to. She was not. Oh, got it, got it. She was going to go slightly more traditional. Uh, so kind of. Well, it wasn't that original, actually, because she walked down the aisle to the flower duet. That's beautiful. That's pretty. Yeah, it was nice, and we had yeah. live singers, so. Ooh, fun. Yeah. All right, well. Um, right, so Concerning Hobbits. It's just like such a fun, light theme, and you can't help but listen to it and feel joyful and happy. So here is Concerning Hobbits by Howard Shore.
now, Kyle, can you sing it? You did Can you sing it? Yeah. You did Is there okay? Is there Actually, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. You might not know the answer to. Is there a Lord of the Rings orchestral suite that gets played? Because I only know, like, playing from specific movies there, is the only context I have. For so that. there may be, but what I do know, um, just to give you an overview of the whole thing, is mm-hmm. that, and Naomi will appreciate this, there are over 100 light motifs present. In this music, what? there are a lot of characters. Yes, there and are, and people have a lot of feelings, like a lot of storylines, mm-hmm. different things going on. So it's very a- operatic right. in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the original three Lord of the Rings movies, there's ten hours mm-hmm. of music roundabouts. So s- somewhere there must be like a suite, an orchestral suite that condenses. Uh, yeah, I would guess so. That has, although this. the themes do like pop up, um, like in extra places so that like different scenes oh, like borrow mm-hmm. themes depending on what's right. happening uh in the movie who is your favorite character in lord of oh, the rings God. i feel like it's sam i do really like sam i don't know if i could pick a favorite character but no i want you to and then i want to listen to their theme oh god their light motif i don't even know if i can pick out a certain person's theme I'll I'll, sure I'll figure it out. Has or like Galadriel. I'll figure it out. I I would be interested. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Ooh. You know what? I'm just gonna say because what? it's a theme that I really like. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I really like the elf theme that gets played okay. whenever mm-hmm. they're in like a realm of the elves, like Rivendell or wherever else. Um, mm-hmm. okay. And so it's like this very. I'm assuming it's not like. No, it's. That's concerning habits. It's, it's very like ethereal, and there's a lot of harp, and okay. all of that. There's a lot of harp and a lot of like chorus in the background. Yes, singing. yes, like yeah. very high soprano, right. all of that stuff. So let's listen to a little bit of the elf theme or one of the elf themes right now. I bet you guys didn't realize you were going to get such an education. I didn't. I didn't. I did not. Lord of the Rings music. I assumed there were light motifs, but I didn't really, you know. Yeah. Like. Right. Well, some. I've never really thought about Some that. fun facts are that mm-hmm. the soundtrack for the first and third 
movies won uh, the Oscar for best soundtrack. I believe it, but not the second. Not the second because at the time there was a rule saying that a soundtrack of a sequel couldn't win if it borrowed themes from the first. From the first one. Oh. And Cause they, they consider it not wholly original. Exactly. Then. And since Got it. that rule has been done away with because of the Lord of the Rings movies, that's how the, that's how the third one won. Well, damn. Well, I have to say that that was, when I saw Star Wars Rogue One, mm-hmm. that was a part of the movie that I really appreciated was how many light motifs they maintained yeah. from the original three. Well, look, the Imperial March oh, yeah. is going to be in every Star Wars wah, movie wah, <laughs> until wah, the wah, end wah, of time. Wah, you know, wah, like Han Solo wah, and wah. Leia's love theme and everything. Right, yeah. Like, I just, I wasn't sure if they were going to do it, but then they did it so well that it made me very happy. Have you guys heard that video where they take the Imperial March and they put it in a major key? No. Does it sound like super happy and joyous? It's really like upbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Should we play out to that? Well, Kyle, did you have a second? Because Naomi and I had a second. Uh, No, I just... Do you have a second? I stuck with this because it really is what I enjoy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I I do have another theme that I really enjoy. Okay, yeah. Let's listen Um, to it. I also really like the Mordor theme, um, which has a ton of brass and is super Mm -hmm. intense, like the... That whole thing. And I saw, when I saw the live performance, they have, like, chains, because, like, a lot of the people that, like, live and do the deeds in Mordor are, like, slaves. Okay. Um... (laughs) <laughs> is it are, i have a story we're gonna cycle back to it you finished oh this. my gosh oh <laughs> story i thought that was chains. like a face of, okay. of judgment but i'm glad that it's a fun story. no 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 i have i have a better thing for us to play out to oh but nice yes go on but anyway so in this soundtrack there's actually and when i saw it played live there's actually like that's a percussion instrument for the percussionist is chains mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. i think what they do in certain cases is they like string the chains over the um chords of the piano oh oh so, okay it's like prepared piano yeah exactly prepared piano with chains so anyways here's a little listen to this um i hope you guys enjoy and for everybody listening that doesn't know or like lord of the rings thanks for sticking it out sticking with it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elspeth, what's the story? What's the okay, deal? So, I'm 
if anybody doesn't know, I don't know why you wouldn't know this, but there was before the um, the films there was a a cartoon version of the. Oh Wolverine, yes, it's yes. on YouTube. Right, I had to I watch thumb. this in. Uh, right, so it school. has its uh, original music and all of that. So when Sam and Frodo get to Mordor, <laughs> <laughs> there is this. I think this came out late seventies, early like really early eighties, mm-hmm. like maybe nineteen eighty. I'm not sure. Um, so when they get to Mordor, they're they're hiding behind. They see the gates of Mordor, and there are all these orcs, um, and they have <laughs> they have this song, um, and because we were in the period of like late disco or whatever, oh, God. Um, there's like a behind it. Um, and it's this amazing kind of vaguely S and M theme song. It has all these chains in it, oh and they're my like, gosh. "What? I'm gonna sing some of it now, and then we're gonna play out to it." So, first off, I'm gonna say I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi, and I'm Kyle. And thanks for listening. Okay, so here's the song. Um, they go, "Where there's a whip, there's a way. Where there's a whip, there's a way." What? And then the counter theme is. We don't want to go to war today, but the Lord of the Lash says nay, nay, nay. It's amazing. And we're listening to it right now. And you're welcome, everyone. So there you go. Enjoy. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Where there's a whip, there's a whip. Where there's a whip, there's a whip. Where there's a whip, there's a whip. It's a catchy. Oh my gosh, you were spot on with this. <laughs> no, right? That's amazing. You're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for that, Elspeth. Uh-huh. All right, I'm gonna go make this phone call. All right, Naomi, okay. should, you discuss your thing. Should we stop and export really quick? Yeah, let's do that so that we save, etc. Right. Three, two. <laughs>